Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, it's been about a month since we've had the chance to record and release an episode. It's been a busy month for both of us. I had such a great time on our last episode getting a chance to chat with Michael and Connor of UCLA about uh, their fascinating backstory and all of the work they did uh, to build such an impressive team and win the national championship. It is truly hard to believe uh, that it's been nearly two months since we actually crowned that national champion. Uh, and you know, every day that goes by, we are rapidly approaching August 15th and the release of the new case. But obviously there's been a lot going on in the meantime. Drew, I know you're working this summer got a lot of things AMTO related to to discuss as we start to kick around the field for our sixth trial by combat, uh, which is coming up this weekend. So just a lot of really interesting things in the pipeline. Drew, how have things been uh, for you since the last time we recorded? Well, like you said, I, I've started working and it is uh, first kind of whole summer spent at a law firm, which is a very interesting uh, lifestyle to get used to for sure. Um, definitely a lot of fun and I'm enjoying it. I actually, funnily enough, this week I am doing a, I'm helping them run a camp that is actually doing a mock trial with a bunch of middle school kids in Atlanta, which is a lot of fun and definitely nice to kind of do a, a comfort activity for me and kind of get a chance to, to do something that I, I actually already know a lot about, um, surprisingly enough. So that's been a lot of fun for me. But honestly, yeah, it, it, I think that the summer is always an interesting time in mock trial because there's kind of this ebb right after nationals. And then we kind of flow right into trial by combat, the board meeting, the case release, you know, when we have rookie rumble cases, like there's kind of a lot that sort of surprisingly starts happening around this time. Um, you know, we had Top Gun a few weeks ago for those that followed that. Definitely a a nice like casual flow of of mock trial stuff going on for those that want to be following it um so just yeah i'm excited i think that trial by combat is kind of a always feels like an anniversary episode to me because that was our very first episode ever yeah um, and yeah this is now six years which feels insane that we've been doing this for <laughs> six years like holy cow can we just get a life by now but here we are <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned Top Gun. One thing that I'll mention real quick, because um, obviously I track that pretty closely being in the law school world these days. Um, if anyone out there, and I imagine a few of our listeners have felt this way at different times, if anyone out there has been like, man, like something happened in the captain's meeting before a trial and it was a huge change to what we were planning and it was just too much, you know, it was just too much and it wasn't, I didn't have enough time to deal with it. This year's Top Gun case, which during the preliminary rounds was a 1v1 case, as you would expect. When you got to the semifinals this year, six people advanced to Top Gun semifinals and the case became a 1v1v1 case um, in the semifinals. And so like all of a sudden you had three people. And like if you go watch this year's Top Gun final, which of course you should, there are three people competing in the Top Gun final because Robert Little and Baylor just kind of do whatever they want. Last year's Top Gun converted, I think, from criminal to civil if you made the break. Um, like, I think if you tried it in prelims, it was criminal case. And then if you tried it in semis and finals, it was a civil case. So they, they do things a little differently down there at Baylor. They're a little nuts in a good way. Um, but yeah, I was tracking Top Gun pretty closely and I totally agree with you. This is our sixth trial by combat episode. Um, our, our very first episode, for those of you who've been with us since, since the beginning or who've gone back and listened to it, uh, was with a friend of the pod, Justin Bernstein, previewing the very first trial by combat in Philadelphia. And of course, this year, for the third time, trial by combat will be back in the beautiful city of Philadelphia uh, for what is, I'm sure, going to be a fantastic event. Uh, but before we get into breaking down the field, Drew, I know there's a few other AMTA things going on. Um, at the time we're recording this, we haven't gotten an official announcement for Rookie Rumble. But I'm hoping to hear something soon on that front because we had such a great time uh, being involved in that tournament last year. Yeah, I agree. I think that Rookie Rumble was something that pretty much the second Nationals ended, everyone was like, okay, so is Rookie Rumble happening? And I think that, uh, you know, we, we haven't heard a official, like, this is when it's happening, this is the case release date or anything like that from AMTA yet. But I think through some 
kind of unofficial official channels it is going to be happening um and i'll just kind of leave it at that so i do think rookie rumble is is going to be coming through the pipeline very soon once we have more official information we're totally going to break it down and yeah i i love that we're making rookie rumble into more of a thing i love giving you know some of the younger members of uh, the mock trial community, more chances to compete, chances to compete on a semi-national stage. Like that's just all really fun stuff. And I think it's, to me, this is a great example of us utilizing the the positives that came out of COVID and virtual mock trial and saying, how can we apply that um, in, in really good ways? And I think that Rookie Rumble is a good example of that. Um, I also know that there was that alumni tournament that I honestly heard getting thrown around about that Drexel was going to host. And then I honestly don't know what ended up happening with it. So, uh, you know, Ben, I don't know if, if you know anymore, but um, I, I, you know, maybe that's, I, I know that it was, I know that interest forms were sent out and I don't know that it went anywhere, but hopefully it does at some point because that'd be really cool too. Um, more, more summer mock trial is, is a good thing in my book. Yeah, and and one thing I'll mention before we we move forward, you know, it's interesting you mentioning with Rookie Rumble and like you know coming out of the pandemic. So I last week, as of the time of recording this, spent four days uh, down in Florida at the Educating Advocacy Teachers Conference, uh, also known as EATS. Um, the acronym doesn't quite work. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, but uh, one of the panels that that happened was about okay, well, what do we do with Zoom mock trial? Right, the overwhelming majority of tournaments have returned in person, and one of the sort of consensus topics, and and one of the things that a lot of people agreed on was, look, there's not much appetite remaining for just a regular old Zoom tournament, but if you do something special, if you innovate in some way, like there's a law school tournament that we're a part of called the National Trial League, and it's an every other week uh, competition over the course of an entire semester, and the, and it's fantastic. Packet changes every two weeks. It's amazing. That's the only Zoom competition I'm willing to do at this point because I'm not really interested in doing normal ones. I think Rookie Rumble is a great example of the type of Zoom competition that should stick around. You know, I have no interest in sending my team to just a regular old Zoom tournament. I think I'm probably a bit more skeptical of Zoom scrimmages than a lot of coaches are. But a tournament like your Rookie Rumble on should be on Zoom, right? It would make no sense to do it in person. And I hope it is the type of thing that becomes a permanent fixture on the amped landscape because it seems like there's a huge amount of interest for it. And like we talked about last year, having seniors judging and really getting the whole community involved during the summer, uh, I thought it was awesome. So I'm super excited. I'm not going to be coaching it this year, obviously, since I'm no longer as of very soon the head coach at UMBC. But I know that UMBC has a lot of younger members who are excited to compete at Rookie Rumble. And I'm looking forward to hopefully having official news uh, on that front very soon. Yeah, well, I think with that, uh, Ben, if you're ready, let's let's go ahead and break down the field. What do you say? Yeah, I think that sounds great. You know, Drew, you were the one who kind of took the lead on on building our outline for this. So I know you've you know, we've both really dug into this. So give us your breakdown of the field, and then we can launch right in. Okay, so let me start by saying, and this should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you made it to trial by combat, that's amazing. This is a competition for the top 16 competitors in the country. They are all stupendous, amazing, whatever synonym you want to use. Um, the fact that I am breaking this down at all is not to take away from anyone or elevate others. It's really just, this is a tournament and this is what we have to do. But to all 16 of you, congratulations. To those that didn't make it and that were very close, You know, hopefully better luck next year if you're able to try again next year. I was in that boat and I just missed out my senior year, so I'm with you. Um, but without further ado, I kind of have broken this down into my mind kind of four categories that I actually think seem to me pretty representative and you know, maybe people will agree or disagree. But um, just as kind of a starting framework for this, I kind of have a, I'm going to call it favorites category. And I'm calling this the favorites as in the people that kind of before the season even started, I kind of had pegged as going to trial by combat, potentially being a finalist. And I will say that, um, you know, I think I would hope that most people see where I'm going with that. Um, the next category is kind of a 
highly recognizable individuals. And these are people that I think get talked about a lot. Um, I think that they're seen as very, very strong competitors from very good programs. Um, I think that they're kind of seen as slightly larger than their program itself. Um, Even if their program is very good, I think that they kind of almost come to people's minds um, either synonymously or before their program. Um, And then kind of the, you know, reversal of that, I have another group that is People that are really strong individuals that are great, but come from these ridiculously prestigious programs, and I almost feel like they are, uh, you know, their their program is maybe even the tiniest bit like, uh, you know, what we think of, and then we're like, oh well, that's the top competitor from that amazing program. Of course, they would make it. And then my last category is my dark horses category, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying they're dark horses because I don't think that they're very good. I'm sure that they're all phenomenal, as I said before. But I think that they're just less well-known. There are definitely a few names that I personally hadn't heard of um, prior to the trial by Combat Field being released. And I will fully admit that upon doing a little bit of research, I can safely say that they they likely very well deserve to be there with the awards that we're looking at and, and the impressive resume that a lot of these people had. Um, but I, I do think that they are just a little bit less known from some programs that I think we are uh, less common to see at Trial by Combat. So that's kind of my general framework, and I'm, I'm going to kind of take us through them, but I want to start with that. So in my favorites category, and I have four in each, but my favorites are Travis Harper of Harvard, of course, um, Rhea Dabnath of UCLA, Taj Burnett of Northwestern, and then Murray Edwards of Furman. Um, I think that for me, like I said, these are the people that I kind of assumed were going to make it beforehand. The only exception there is Rhea. Um, I don't necessarily think that I knew. I, I, I'll say that I didn't know Rhea that well. I'm just you know not really involved in the West Coast mock trial world. I think that people that are on the West Coast probably think that I'm crazy for saying that. And that's fine. You know, I, I I know I'm out of touch sometimes, but I think that after nationals, I think that it would have been crazy to think of a trial by combat field without her. Um, you know, her and just all of the UCLA team was so incredibly impressive in that final round that I think it made sense. Not surprising at all. And I do think that I, I'm kind of elevating her to that favorite status in my mind just because of how dominant UCLA has been this year and how um, individually impressive um, she was. So that that's kind of my my spiel for that group. Um, I, you know, I think that Murray and Travis are only two returners. Um, Taj is one that I just I feel like everyone has been talking about how good he is for so long. Um, I, I kind of I guess it, part of it is I have some bias of just names that I was really familiar with, but I, I've seen Taj go even when he was younger and he was phenomenal then. It just doesn't surprise me at all that he's finally making trial by combat here. Um, but Ben, just to kind of uh, let you jump in, kind of any thoughts with those first four um, in that category of, of the kind of like the favorites? Yeah, Drew, I, I think I really appreciate you breaking down the field like this. I think that like the vast majority of what you have makes a lot of sense. So let me just say this on those first four names. Um, and first of all, I'll echo what you said. Like, look, there's no easy way to break down a trial by combat field um, when you have 16 names who are just truly incredible and have such strong pedigree. Uh, and so, like, there have been people who were expected to win who've won TBC. There have been people who nobody expected to win who've won TBC. So none of this is intended as a slight towards anyone, like, in any way. So Travis... And Murray, of course, are our two returners, but they're not just returners. They were semifinalists. They were the two semifinalists who did not advance to finals last year. Um, Travis was eliminated by Rhea in an incredibly close and and somewhat challenging round due to some circumstances there. And then Murray, who we played in round four last year, uh, was just a juggernaut and just ran into the unstoppable force that was Ben Crosby last year. There was, I think, just nothing stopping him, you know, at last year's TBC. Um, I would not be surprised to see one or both of them in the final. Travis is Travis. Uh, I don't really think there's much we can say about them that hasn't been said. Travis is just such an unbelievably well-rounded competitor who can do it all. So we'll not be surprised at all to see them do well. Murray is incredible. Uh, I had not seen her until, and he would he would allow me to say this, so I'll say it until she beat up Thomas Azari pretty good in round four last year. Um, she's remarkable just an incredibly powerful speaker sharp objections were great 
So I think she's she's a threat. Rhea, of course, is incredible. We talked with the UCLA guys about her cross of Travis. A rematch of that would be so cool. That would be so fun because that was such a cool moment. And then Taj is great. Um, you know, that I was reading the uh, impeachments, the muck analysis, my drug uh, analysis earlier today, and it talked about his versatility and his witnessing, and it also talked about his voice. And, and that's, I think, an underrated component of it, too. He's such a powerful voice, such powerful presence. Um, his emotional witnessing, I forget what role, if it was last year or the year before that we played Northwestern, I think it was last year we played them and I got to see him in one of the emotion roles. And I thought he was unbelievable. I thought he was like so powerful, so compelling. And at TBC, a tournament which bizarrely continues to have witnessing be such a large component um, for reasons that I truly do not understand. Uh, <laughs> side note there, I think that that he could be a big threat. So there are lots of really, really good names in this field that we're going to get to. But in terms of those four, it'd be hard. Like, yeah, there's two or three other names that maybe I'd put up there, but it'd be hard to choose like, okay, who do I replace of, of that top group? Yeah, I think I agree. I think that, you know, there, there's a method to the madness, hopefully. Um, but let's let's go ahead and move on to the next group of four. And again, this was kind of the what I call the recognizable names group. Um, and my four here are Elena Young of UCSB, Ben Wallace of South Carolina, Brian Walker of UGA, and then Charles Stock of Notre Dame. Um, so with this one, let me just start by saying that I understand that Ben Wallace was in the play-in. I also understand that Ben Wallace did not belong in the play-in. And I think that uh, to me, he's just been such a strong competitor for a little while now. I've been you know, just hearing his name. I've seen him go multiple times. He's a phenomenal competitor, and I think that I'm, I'm really glad that he did make it. But I think that he really is in this kind of recognizable category of just people really know his name. I think very similarly, um, Charles Stock is, you know, it, frankly, if this competition was based on number of times mentioned on mock trial confessions, I think Charlie would probably have won. Um, I think that he's just a very... Uh, talked about a lot for better or for worse competitor um and i think that's the lesser known seventh check mark exactly right (laughs) i think we need to add it at this point yeah um obviously joking but no this is a really strong competitor notre dame has been so on the rise lately um and look i think that when you get someone that is kind of in many ways the face of that program i i can understand why something like that's going to make it of course um charles was also the alternate last year um so it kind of made sense for him to make it again i I think two names that i really thought were going to be there elena young to me is one that was almost on the border for me of making it into the the top category she has just been ridiculously good this year i have heard nothing but amazing things about her um i think the ucsb has been a a very strong program lately and has been routinely making it to nationals despite being in such a difficult part of the country and if you talk to anyone they're like it's because of her it's because she's just that good and i i believe the hype i think that she is one of the strongest out there and i'm really excited to see what she's able to do the last one I have in this category is Brian Walker. And I know that I've mentioned Brian Walker a few times on this pod. And I think that he is, if there's anyone on that in this group that is probably the the most underdog energy, at least to me, it's probably him. Um, I think that for whatever reason, I don't think he gets that talked about um, by others as much as I think he deserves. And again, maybe it's just like a little bit of personal bias that... I've seen him go a lot in the past, and I know him pretty well. And I think that he really, really is is a uh, someone that I would expect to be a finalist. Frankly, I think that he is is really, really good, and I expect he'll be in that top group towards the end. He's a phenomenal competitor, and I mean UGA has been stupendous lately. Uh, would not be surprised at all to see him there. But um, Ben, I'll toss it over to you. Your thoughts on my next group of four? Yeah, great group here. A uh, couple things to note. Um, Elena Young is a gladiator finalist. Um, she was in the 2019 round with Abby Branham. Uh, if anyone wants to see anything more about that, I believe Watch Mop did an episode with Elena and Abby. Um, 
And so she's got experience with this type of competition. She's got experience with this format. Um, I have not seen her a lot, but I think we've, I, I know I've seen her at some point, whether it's film from that episode or something, I'm familiar with her at least a little bit. I think she could really be a force. I think that she has the type of style that could be really successful. It will be interesting to see. Obviously, we're not in California, we're in Philadelphia. And so, you know, would she have had a better shot last year? I don't know. I don't know how much that stuff matters. But, you know, when a lot of the judges may have more of a Philly bend as opposed to a California bend, maybe that makes a difference. Um, won't believe the point on Ben Wallace, obviously friend of the pod. I agree with your analysis. I think that he's going to be a serious threat. I think he's really fantastic. Totally agree about Brian Walker. Um, we've hit Georgia several times over the last several years. I think he's clean. I think he's polished. Um, I think that he has the type of skill set that could work out really well at this tournament. Of course, I've had the fortune of coaching this tournament four times, and I think I've got a pretty good sense of what works at this tournament. And it's a combination of like flash and flair, but calm and poise at the same time. You have to be able to score those big moments, but you can't go for too many of them. And you cannot, under any circumstances, have one of those meltdown moments where you just kind of fall apart. And I don't look, none of these competitors are at a huge risk of that, but they always happen here and there when you get people who are tired and they're kind of pushing up against each other. So I think he really has the potential to do it. And then Charles Stock, I totally agree with you being coached by friend of the pod, Henry Lehman, um, just a really smart, really strong competitor who I think obviously he didn't compete last year, but went through the prep process and has that experience. And that's a huge part of it. You know, we only have two returners this year and he's sort of our, our two and a half. And having gone through that prep process before, even if you didn't actually compete in a round, makes a huge difference because the endurance test of this competition is a major part of it. So I don't know if there's anyone from this group that I would, you know, pull up to the to the previous four. Uh, maybe Ben, if I, you know, if I had to pick a name just solely based on on his sheer number of awards. Um, but it's it's hard to say. I think any of these four uh, could do it. You know what I'll say of this four? I actually think Elena might be the name that I would I would pull up if I had to, just because we've seen previous gladiators have a lot of success at trial by combat. Obviously, Audrey, you know, has won both, and and others have done very well. So it will be interesting to see how that how that is. So that's basically my thoughts, Drew, and and feel free to take us to the second half of the field. Yeah, I agree. I I've been thinking a lot about the potential Elena to. Aubrey Shepard um, comparisons, and I, I feel a very similar path could end up happening um, for her to end up taking it as well. I, I would not be surprised. And frankly, I think that anyone in that in this second tier, anyone in the all sixteen could for sure do it. But I think that um, there are a lot of names that we just talked about that I would not be surprised at all to see taking it at the end of the day. Um, this is a very competitive and a really exciting field. But let's keep moving on. Don't want to waste too much time. Um, my next group of four, I, I kind of have it the the gotta be good category. The the group where I think that their their programs are really really strong, and these are the top competitors from those programs for sure. So I'm um, starting with Sam Farnsworth of Chicago, followed by Josiah Jones of UC Irvine, then Margaret Veglin of Tufts, and Danielle Jacoby of Emory. Um, so. Let me be clear that when I say that they are, you know, maybe the program is bigger than them, that is not to take away from them as individuals. But we're talking about, you know, Chicago, the third TPR team in the country, um, UC Irvine, the number eight TPR team in the country, Tufts, the number four, and Emory is 19. But I, I think that, at least to me, I think very highly of Emory. I think that um, I, I kind of think, I jokingly with you, Ben, I would say that Danielle almost reminds me of the kind of uh, Thomas Cesari type with Sydney relationship as Danielle may have had with Rhea Lakaraju, just kind of living in the the shadow of this mock great, um, you know, who just racks up awards at every single tournament they go to and to have to compete alongside that person um, for so many years and kind of, it, it can be tough to emerge out of that shadow. But um, I do think that, you know, Danielle Jacoby is, is great and I'm excited to see what she's able to do. Um, and I'm not, you know, hopefully she can, she can live up to the hype of, of uh, you know, 
her program being a runner-up last year. Uh, the other three, like I said, I mean, Margaret, I, I've heard great things about. I think that she's been phenomenal this year for Tufts. Tufts is one of the best programs in the country by all means of the imagination. Um, does not surprise me at all to see her on this list. Um, Sam Farnsworth, I think, is a really kind of fun and interesting situation. So uh, I know this is the first time we've mentioned a second chair, but um, Sam's second chair is Ali Alekri, who, interestingly enough, was the trial by combat competitor last year who Sam Farnsworth second chaired for. So they kind of have swapped their roles there, which I got to say is fascinating to me considering that Ali Lecri hasn't graduated. I mean, he was a senior. So in theory, could have competed the exact same team for the second time, but they decided to make this switch. Um, you know, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. I think that it's fair to say that they are the most experienced team out here because um, you know they've they've done it before. Actually, I should say that probably the, the most experienced team is, is Travis. But outside of of Travis, um, I think it's it's fair to say that you know being a I should say Travis and Murray, um, the the only thing uh, you know the only step down from being an actual returning competitor I think would be returning second chair and being a returning second chair whose second chair also has competed is a pretty experienced group. So definitely excited to see what they're able to do. And then last one in this group um, I mentioned before was Josiah Jones of UC Irvine. Um, Josiah Jones is just out there racking up awards. I think that uh, I'm really expecting great things. UC Irvine has been just on a tear lately. I mean, getting into the top 10 power rankings, uh, extremely well-deserved. I, you know, I think that Josiah Jones has a really fun energetic, enthusiastic personality. I've never gotten to see him go, but I have to think that it's going to be amazing to watch and really good things are going to happen. So I'm really excited to see this group for sure. I think that all of them could certainly make a run. Um, like I said, I think that when you come from the pedigree of programs that we're talking about, um, it just can be easy for the program name to hover above the individual name. And that is not to take away from the individual. It's just kind of the tough thing about competing for one of those ridiculous top programs. But Ben, I will, I'll toss it to you. What are you thinking of this group? Yeah. Another really fantastic group for uh, just a couple of things to break down here. First, you kind of alluded to this, but you know, as trial by combat gets older, we're starting to see something that I know is relatively common or is more common with Top Gun, which is you're seeing more and more former trial by combat competitors return as coaches. Um, I believe we have four of them this year now, so a quarter of the field, because you have Sarah, Rhea, Bennett, and Maddie, who I believe all competed at TBC. Um, and so like when you're talking about experience level, you know, Travis is coached by Sarah Stebbins, who competed at trial by combat and who coached Travis last year. Um, and so I thought that was just an interesting thing. And similarly, Danielle, of course, is coached by Rhea, who who competed, you know, this tournament a couple of times. So you're starting to really see that experience level uh, come back into the group. Just a couple of quick thoughts here. Um, so I've seen three of these people a fair amount since they were East Coast or Midwest folks. I've never seen Josiah Jones before, but but just sort of crediting my sources here, I'm looking at mock analysis as my drug and says that Josiah is a gladiator. So Josiah's experience with this field, and and I think beyond that, I'll leave it to your experience, Drew, but I, I think anyone who has the Gladiator experience and competes at such a strong program like Irvine could make some noise. Um, Margaret Peglin from Tufts is fantastic. Um, I don't care that her award number is maybe slightly smaller than some others. Um, she is so strong and professional and versatile and calm under pressure. She's been in such high pressure rounds and has played a huge role. You know, I've, we've played her many, many times and having coached this competition, I could absolutely see her having the skill set uh, to do really well. Uh, I feel similarly about Sam Farnsworth. Uh, I, you know, I think the swap is really interesting, but going back to what I was saying, Sam has been through the prep process. Sam, Ali, and Sam Jahangir have literally the three of them been through this prep process before. And I can tell you having been through the prep process three times with Sydney. The third time was a hell of a lot easier than the first because we knew like how we were going to feel 12 hours in and we knew, okay, you know, this is what, where we need to be. This is where we weren't last year. And that made a huge difference. Um, and so like, 
I'll be very interested to see how much of a difference that makes. Sam is such a good attorney, fantastic witness, just a really, really versatile and all around competitor who I think could absolutely make um, some noise at this competition. Chicago obviously has been at this competition many, many times before uh, and has had success. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then I also vehemently agree with what you're saying about Danielle. We hit Emery all the time, seen Danielle many, many times, and she is really, really good. And obviously Rio was in the final last year. And so Emery has history of success at this tournament. Um, and they've had other competitors who've done well at this tournament before. I know a lot has coached uh, Rio last year and competed at this tournament a couple of years ago. So I think with this group, I definitely like, it's really hard to parse a field like this. So I completely understand why this group is where they are, but you already said this, Drew, and I'll reemphasize this. Nothing about this suggests that any of these folks can't win this tournament. Um, but I do agree with your analysis that like some of these programs are just so successful and there are multiple people from each of these programs who could have plausibly represented their teams at TBC and no one would have batted an eye. And so I think any of these folks, you know, any of Sam, Josiah, Margaret, or Danielle could absolutely make a run. I would not be surprised at all to see one or more of them in the semis or the finals. Um, I don't know if I'm going to like pick a specific name here, but you know, Danielle is someone who I could see like having, having a fair amount of success. I think her style could play well um, and could port well to, to the judging in Philly. So. All right, I think we got four names left to go through before we wrap up. So, Drew, I will kick it back to you to break down our last group. All right, well, that leaves us with our final four. Uh, I think that, like I said, these are my dark horses. I want to be so good that that does not take away from their success. It's just I'm trying to be honest. Like, I hadn't heard these names before, and I'm trying to give them their shout-out now. Um, but we have Arabelle Laura, Loira, I hope I'm pronouncing that night right, um, of Dayton. Michael Wilson of Michigan, Divya Kumar of Cincinnati, and then Michael Chandler of Brown. Um, again, not taking away from any of them. And I will, I will start by saying, you know, Michael Wilson of Michigan, Michigan's had a phenomenal year. I, I think I'm glad someone from Michigan is making it. There was a piece of me that thought about throwing him into that category of, uh, in the group above. I just, I honestly, and maybe this is again, part of the the biases I have of, of who I know and who I don't. I just, I hadn't heard um, any of the Michigan competitors' names before. And I'm certain that he is great and going to be a phenomenal competitor. I have see, I saw that he got a ton of witness awards. So I'm excited to see him witness. I'm sure he'll be great. Um, Michael Chandler of Brown obviously won the play-in, really earned his way in. Brown has had a really successful year this year. I'm pretty sure they're one of the only teams that kind of really took a, a, a real shot at Harvard this year um, with some really successful rounds against them. Um, you know, I think that Brown had a really great nationals run too. I, I'm excited to see what Michael Chandler is able to do there. Um, definitely has, you know, earned his way though. Like I said, having won the play in um, Divya Kumar of Cincinnati is one that is kind of, I think if it weren't for, our last competitor, I think Divya would have gotten a little bit more attention as being um, just a slightly lower um, team uh, in terms of just like the the power ranking. Um, Cincinnati at, at 44, uh, a little bit lower than some of the others. I mean, there are some others that are even lower than that, but you know, we're talking about Murray coming out of Furman at 54 and Ben Wallace coming out of South Carolina at 64. I think that both of them are kind of exceptions. Um, and I think that Divya coming out of Cincinnati um, would have probably been a more talked about like, oh, you know, just kind of interesting. Um, I think that Divya has clearly won a ton of awards. I've never seen them go, but I'm, I'm sure that they're great. I'm excited to see what they're able to do. But I think that uh, it's kind of inevitable when you have uh, what we what we have for our last competitor um, that they're going to be talked about this way. And so our competitor out of Dayton, Arabelle Loira, um, you know, Dayton is a program that is TPR 161. And I don't know it off the top of my head, but I can't imagine we've ever had a, 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 a competitor from a team that was outside of the top 100 TPR. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I actually think this is a really good thing. I'm really excited about this because if you do even a smidge of research about, um, about this competitor, you will find out that they have the most attorney awards out of anyone in this field. The most. They have 19 attorney awards. 
I don't really care what program you're in front of. If you've won 19 attorney awards, I want to see you go trial by combat. I'm, I, I want to see you go because clearly you have just dominated and dominated everyone that you've gone against and you just aren't on a team that is able to advance to the high enough stages to get to go against the rest of the best. And I'm excited to see what happens when Arabella finally does because I think it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be a great litmus test for should this be about awards? Should it be about programs? How should we really find the best team? And I'm not trying to you know, say that it all comes down to this, like this one competitor, but I think that I love this trend out of, um, you know, trial by combat, just, you know, Justin, Phil, obviously, um, the ones running it to, to take someone from a lower program like this and give them a shot. I'm excited to see what happens. Again, I, you know, I've been really impressed when I did even a little bit of research. Um, this is not like we're just throwing it out to anyone. Um, I really think, you know, Arabella clearly has earned it, has done the most with, um, a situation where, I think it would have been easy to write them off as just, oh, you know, it's Dayton. Okay. You know, it's just not a well-known enough program, not a successful enough program. I don't think they've ever made it to nationals to my knowledge, um, you know, and just written that off. But I like that we're giving them a shot. I like that we're saying, hey, if you win that many awards, it's worth noting. Let's see what you can do. So I cannot be more excited. Um, I do think this Dark Horse group... Um, I would love to see one of them make a run and and make it deep in this tournament. I think it'd be really cool. It'd really be proof of the, the system working and that this is a good way of uh, of admitting people. And yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what they can do. But Ben, I'll, I'll toss it to you. What are your thoughts on this last group? Yeah, there is a lot of really interesting things to think about in this last group of four. I'll start with um, with Arabella from from Dayton. I, I do not know um, her. I don't know anything about um, sort of her, her live performances or, or anything like that. Um, I am I find myself a little bit torn on this issue because having, you know, had the experience of competing for a team that was pretty low ranked and then coaching for a team that was pretty low ranked and didn't really have much in the way of high level experience and then working our way up into sort of the upper echelon of AMTA. Look, it, there is there is a drastic difference between the level of competition at the top invitationals and a lot of the mid-tier invitationals. That's not to say there's not very, very good people at those mid-tier invitationals, but there is a reason why there are sort of categories of, of invitationals that we kind of informally sort them into. That being said, I thought a lot of the critiques of Justin and Phil's selection process last year at least had some degree of merit to them. And so, you know, I think this is clearly a direct response to this, that that Arabella is the type of candidate that probably deserved to be considered every year. But this year in particular, I'm guessing, and this is pure speculation, but I am guessing that um, a response, you know, obviously the play-in tournament was a response to that, but it is very interesting that she was not in the play-in tournament and Dayton very much would have been eligible for the play-in tournament. I was thinking but, the same thing. Yeah, like she was put in the original and it wasn't a field of 16, right? It was a field of 14 and she was put in over two people in Michael and and Ben whose programs have accomplished more, but perhaps they themselves have not. So we'll be fascinated to see. I will say TVC is a very high pressure environment. And so it will be interesting to see how Arabella fares. But I, I think it's really cool that she's in this field. Good on Phil and Justin for listening to some of the critiques. And making some changes. Um, in terms of the other three folks, I think you pretty much covered it. Um, Michael Wilson of Michigan, I've seen once or twice. Um, and similar to a lot of folks with Michigan, you know, they're such a great program. They're the AMTA elite. They are not the type of program who tends to produce names that every person knows off the top of their head. I think that's kind of the style of their student-run program. But I would not be surprised at all to see their style and their success transfer well to a format like Trial by Combat, particularly in Philly, where I think the judges will will reward um, being technical, being precise, being skilled, which I think Michael is. Um, I agree with your analysis about Divya. I've oh, I think I've only seen Divya once, if I recall correctly. She's very good, um, just very sharp, very polished, um, able to think on her feet, able to adapt. Cincinnati has. Yeah, they were so good 
Obviously, they're one of only five schools to produce a trial by combat champion. Um, but since that point, they haven't done as much. And then they've really been on the upswing the last year or two. We hit them at Orcs uh, last year, I think. Yeah, last year. And and they're just very, very good. Um, and then Michael, I've actually spoken about on the podcast before. It's been a while, but I saw him for the first time. I believe when he was a sophomore, I saw him in a virtual round and... Um, I gave his cross on Zoom a 10, and I think I probably judged 15 or 20 Zoom rounds um, over the course of that year, and that's the only 10 I remember giving. Um, you know, I've really, I've mellowed in terms of my low scores. I think that that's important, but 10s for me are like, I think it, I've probably judged, I don't know, 100 amateur rounds over the course of the last several years. I think I've given maybe six or seven tens that entire time because i just reserved them for things that absolutely blow me away i thought michael was phenomenal i think he is it's a little bit hard to, like and he's kind of an old school mold of competitor where he's not really afraid to get into the weeds a little bit you saw in the play-in tournament he made a lot of objections and some were better than others but i think he's really sharp comes from a program that's had a lot of success and that he himself has had a lot of success so I think if I had to pick someone from this group who I would pick as like the person who might be able to vault to the top, it would be him. Um, someone said this to me recently and I totally agree with it. I'm a little bit envious having been a former coach of this competition of Michael and Ben Wallace because there is no better prep for a tournament like this than the play-in tournament. It's essentially just a series of TBC scrimmages and to have that and to have the ability to be to think on your feet and to adapt and to be sharp in the way that like Philly judges might like, I could see Michael being someone who sort of outplays his his I'll say rank for lack of a better term, um, and and has a lot of success. So four really strong competitors here. It's really hard to predict what any of them will do. But I think this is a really interesting group. And to kind of round out the whole field before we wrap up here, this is, and I know you're going to get to this in a second, Drew, this is a fascinating field. A lot of non-seniors in this field, um, some big programs not represented, which I'll let you talk about that in just a moment, and only two returners. And I think there's kind of a cyclical effect with TBC. We've talked about this before, where you see years where there's six or seven returners. And then, of course, all of those folks graduate. You know, the year that Sydney almost won, it was 15 seniors. And the following year, she was the only returner. And then the year after that, when Audrey, or or that year when Audrey won, there were several juniors in that field, which then were in the field last year as seniors. And now you again only see a few returners uh, versus next year at 2024 TBC when they'll probably be way more. So fascinating cycle. I think it's a wide open group. Haven't faintest clue who's going to win. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun and really cool to see. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that this is a really interesting and fun field. And I, I am excited that we have what is, in my opinion, kind of the the most breaking from the mold, I'll call it, field that we've had in a little while. Um, and what I mean by that is that I, I think that we, for a while, and this was what a lot of the criticism was in the past few years, it felt like it was just kind of, okay, we get the representatives from basically the top 10, 12 so teams, then a few other outliers that are just really strong competitors from maybe, you know, teams in the top 20 or 30, but like it's kind of just kept to that elite. And as you said earlier, there's potentially reasons for that. But to me, the fact that you're taking um, someone from Dayton, uh, the 151 ranked TPR team over, you know, someone from UVA who's ranked fifth, someone from Yale who's ranked sixth, Patrick Henry, our defending champs of this tournament, ranked seventh. Like, I mean, it is just, I think it is very refreshing to me that if they truly did not have any individuals who stood out, maybe they didn't have anyone who applied. I don't, I don't know all the, the reasonings, but um, I like that we're not demanding that we have um, representatives from all of those schools. I, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe this is um, at least Yale's first time not having a trial by combat competitor. Um, I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I feel like they always have someone. Um, I'll check while you're, while you're yeah, talking. Yeah, check while I'm, I'm saying that, but uh, I, I think it might be. Um, 
as you alluded to, though, it's also a very young field. Um, I think that we often see in mock trial the kind of cycles of talent as it goes through. I think it's pretty fair to say that last year we graduated a very, very talented um, year. And as that happens, you kind of have this ebb. And now we have the new young folks to replace them. But we have six juniors in this field, um, which to me feels like a lot. Um, Again, you compare that uh, last year, we had way fewer than that. I think it was either um, I think it was just two in our, you know, we mentioned both Travis and Murray. Um, I don't think there were any other juniors in that field. But this year we have six with Rhea, Charlie, Sam, Josiah, Brian, and Margaret. Um, so definitely a substantial number of juniors are alternate. Um, Jackson is a sophomore. So this is a, a young squad that is definitely looking uh, to make their mark and that has another year of prep. Um, in theory, uh, if they come back next year. And then we also talked a little about this, but I just wanted to mention um, the coaches here um, are such a prestigious group. Um, I kind of would have would love to see a, a sub-tournament that is just kind of the coaches going at it. Um, but I mean, you, you mentioned a few of them already, but you know, we've got the, the Rhea versus Bennett rematch um, potentially could be there. You, know, you mentioned Sarah, um, uh, Nat Warner's on the list. We, you know, we love Nat. We talk about him all the time, but you know, Elizabeth Smiley has done just so much with UCLA's program. I wish Nat was any good at coaching. If it would be so much easier to talk about him if he, if he could do anything right. I know, right? Like, it's not like he just coaches all these good programs at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it really is an impressive list. A lot of names that we know and are familiar with. You mentioned Maddie Whalen's competed at uh, Trial by Combat before. You know, we just interviewed Henry Lehman um, before Nationals. Um, a lot of usual suspects, a lot of really great people. Um, so I, I love seeing that. It's just uh, nice to see all of those names. And you know what? To the ones that we, we don't necessarily know, um, all the more power to you. I, I look forward to um, to getting to learn more about those individuals and getting to see them compete and I'm sure do phenomenally um, this year. But Ben, you've, you've now had time. Can you, can you check me on Yale? Was I right? Or you were, you were correct on Yale. Um, and it's the same is also true for, for UVA. So Yale and UVA have been represented in the first five TBCs and are not represented this year. Okay. So there you have it, folks. I, I do think that it is worth noting and interesting that, you know, I mean, Yale and UVA, we, we like talk about them as being like the amped juggernauts. Like they they were in final rounds against each other so many years in a row, and it's not like their programs have dropped off. Like, I mean, are we gonna sit there and be like, oh, like f- fifth and sixth place? Like, what what scrub programs? <laughs> like, I mean, they're phenomenal, and it, it's almost crazy to not have them represented here. But um, I'm excited to see us, you know, give shots to people that probably. I think wouldn't have gotten it in the past few years. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that does to the field. Um, so Ben, I'll, I'll toss it back to you. Any, any other thoughts just kind of about the field in general? Yeah, here's my sort of final thought on, on the field as a whole. I think it's a really interesting group. I totally agree with what you were saying about some of these big name programs. I mean, it, I hadn't, hadn't even clicked for me that, you know, Ben and Patrick Henry won it last year and they're not here this year. Um, and it's not like they had a down year or, or anything that um and i don't know the reasons behind that but but obviously it's a wide open field a lot of really really good competitors i mean look when you have two semifinalists coming back there's a it could be a sneaky not wide open, like you know it could just be travis versus murray in the final and that's <laughs> like well how wide open a field was it but i do think with tbc that the, i'll sort of make two last points um like i mentioned i've gotten to coach this competition several times judge at it i'll be judging for saturday of competition really excited to be there TBC is really hard um, and you have to have the endurance and the toughness and the mental fortitude to get through a tournament like this. And so I think it is not a coincidence that pretty much every winner and pretty much every finalist has come from a tournament, come from a program that has demonstrated that ability and their overall, um, you know, just their overall performances, programs who win major tournaments win national championships, almost win national championships, stuff like that. So at the end of the day, I think the evidence we have so far supports the fact that it, it will the winner will likely come from one of those groups. But I don't know. You know, we'll see. That doesn't necessarily mean just because it happened the first five years that it's going to happen again this year. Um, ultimately, 
I think most likely experience is probably going to win out, especially with the experience of some of these coaches who've done this before. But the very last point that I'll make is we have not done this tournament in person in Philadelphia mm. since 2019. That could mean so many different things. The judging pool is vastly different. It's a lot of EM to folks, but it's also, I'm sure, a lot of Drexel-affiliated folks, folks affiliated with Phil's program at Drexel Law, and you never quite know what to expect when you have law school alums and law school folks judging an undergraduate. So I think it's going to be a great tournament, fantastic event, and I'm just really excited to judge it, to see what happens, and hopefully talk to the winner. Uh, and that's pretty much all I've got, Drew, if you have any last thoughts. No, I think we've covered it. Like I said, I, I'm excited about this. Again, I, I really, I feel like we've said this a bunch, and I'm sorry if it's getting repetitive for people, but these are all amazing, amazing competitors, and I don't want anyone to like, like, oh, like you know, Drew said that I was a dark horse. Like, oh my gosh, or you know, I just everyone that is there really does deserve to be there. You know, just as a brief aside, I think that the minimum number of awards uh, that anyone got here was seven. Um, pretty much almost everyone is in double digits in terms of total number of awards. Um, and I, I will just say that the the seven were not easily won. Um, they were impressive. They were a very impressive seven. Um, so, like, look, this is a ridiculously impressive field, a ton of extremely impressive individuals. I cannot wait to see what happens. I will surely be watching um, the live stream. I un unfortunately won't be able to be up in Philly, but um, I, I cannot wait to see what happens. And Ben, I couldn't agree with you more. Can't wait to find out who wins and get to toss them on here and chat with them about it. Yeah, it should be a really cool field and just great to have TBC back on the East Coast for the first time in a couple of for years. Sure. Um, the East Coast is always underrepresented on this podcast. And so I know, it's, right? it's good that we finally get to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to put that comment at the 53 minute mark. We're hopefully right. No one else will uh -huh. be listening by now. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone listening and everyone's patience as obviously the summer months have kept us away from the podcast a little bit. We're super excited to see what happens with TVC and just to see what happens after. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Until we are in your feed again, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.